Thank you for joining us. In this podcast, we are real people talking about real things, child abuse and neglect, a topic that is all too often left in the shadows of silence, leaving survivors alone, fearful, and oftentimes without a voice. We're having conversations to become louder than silence. It is here where we will invite you to join us and be the change needed to end child abuse and neglect. This is Dick Krugman. I'm a pediatrician and chair of the board of the National Foundation to End Child Abuse and Neglect. Today, I want to talk with you about uh, why child abuse and neglect is not just a social or a legal issue. It is a social problem and a legal problem. It's a social problem because we look to social services organizations to take reports about it and investigate it. It's a legal problem because it's against the law uh, to abuse children. But it is also a health, mental health, and public health issue. I actually first got intrigued by this um, 25 years ago. Uh, In 1995, I had been working in the child abuse field for about 15 years. And it was all, everything we were doing was about uh, helping people understand the need to mandatorily report suspected cases to child welfare. Uh, or uh, we were doing lots of training of law enforcement, district and county attorneys, uh, and child welfare in how to prosecute cases of fatal child abuse, uh, how to recognize and prosecute cases of sexual abuse. And that was the focus all through the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s was on prosecution. I remember getting a copy of the journal uh, Cell, C-E-L-L. It was a basic biology journal. And on the cover of this journal, Cell, uh, was a picture of a couple of cages of mice. And the main article in this journal, the highlighted article, was on a gene called the immediate early gene FOS, F-O-S-B. And I, I tell you, I'm not a terrific biologist or basic biologist at all. I've done some work a long, long time ago. In it. But I got intrigued by this and I looked at the article and it was fascinating. It turns out that you can create Uh, through genetic engineering, a mouse that is missing the immediate early gene, FOSB. And so you say, so what? Well, it turns out if you are a pregnant mother mouse uh, who doesn't have the immediate early gene, FOSB, when you deliver your six or eight little mouse pups, you don't take care of them. You don't, as most mites do, you don't make a nest, little nest in the cage. You don't lick the babies when they're born. You don't nurse them. 
And pretty soon, within a day or so, all of the eight mouse pups are dead. Now, the people who did this study noticed that if they put another mouse, either a male or a female, who had the gene, FOSB, into the cage after the babies were born by the FOSB negative mouse, that they would make a nest, they would bring the babies to that nest, they would lick them, and they would keep them warm. They couldn't feed them, but they had the maternal instinct that the mouse without the gene didn't have. Now, here's what's even more interesting. It turns out that if you take that mother who doesn't have the gene or the ability to be have maternal instinct with her new babies, and right before delivery, you give that mother an injection of norepinephrine, she'll take care of her babies, and she'll nurse them, and she'll make a nest, and she'll keep them warm. So this single study with this uh, kind of odd gene that if it's missing leads to mothers who can't nurture their baby did a couple of things. First of all, it remi- I, I knew human mothers like that. I had seen mothers during my pediatric training and doing my child abuse work who simply couldn't nurture their babies. Those babies would not grow and develop normally. We called that condition non-organic failure to thrive. And it's, uh, it I made me want to go back and see if these mothers had a FOSBE gene. But what it really made me think, and I wrote an editorial in the journal Child Abuse and Neglect in 1995 about this, I said, suppose child abuse was a genetic disorder. How would we deal with it? Would we deal with it differently? And 25 years later, we have had a significant amount of additional research that actually points out a number of things. Number one, the experience a child has of being abused and neglected changes the genetic functions that that child will have. The child will develop epigenetic disorders that change how it looks, how it grows and develops. And honestly, I don't understand all of the biology behind it, but I do know that babies under chronic stress have higher levels of cortisol, uh, sort of uh, the human steroids, and, and they develop differently. So there are clearly biologic influences and neurobiologic influences on infants. There was another study that I always was intrigued by. Uh, there is a New Zealand physician, uh, researcher by the name of Caspi, C-A-S-P-I. He followed 
a large group of adolescent of boys from middle childhood through adolescence. And what he noticed was that a significant percentage of those boys had been physically or sexually or abused during their childhood. And he noticed that among the abused boys, some of them turned into conduct-disordered, abusive adolescents, bullies, uh, and adults who would beat up other children and adults. But a number of the abused boys would not. They were survivors. They didn't repeat the cycle. People often talk about the cycle of abuse. It's true that we've really never seen anyone uh, who was an abuser who didn't experience abuse in their childhood. But the vast majority of abused children do not turn into abusers. Uh, they may have some sequelae, some pain, some stigma, but they don't turn into abusers. What Caspi found was he looked, he looked in uh, for blood markers uh, and found that there was an enzyme in the blood, monoamine oxidase, that if it were in high levels, all high levels meant that the boys were survivors. Whereas the conduct disordered abusers had very low levels of MAO oxidase. Look, I can't review in a 10 or 15 minute uh, podcast all of what's gone on, but those are just two examples uh, to show that what we're dealing with in, with adults and children who are, have been or are being abused and neglected are serious health issues <clears throat> that affect their genes, that affect their uh, future development, and their susceptibility uh, to other disorders down the line. The work that's gone on by Vincent Felitti and others, uh, Bob Anda, around adverse childhood experiences uh, demonstrates that big time. Uh, five of the 10 adverse childhood experiences in their study are specifically forms a child or an adult who has experienced physical, sexual abuse or emotional abuse or neglect. And uh, so that's why this is not just a social and legal issue. Uh, it's a health and a mental health and public health issue. And we hope that we can mobilize the advocacy group that we need to properly address this issue the way we've addressed breast cancer and other forms of cancer with children, diabetes, heart disease, uh, and address it by addressing one of the root causes, which is child abuse and neglect. So join us at endcan.org if you want more information. Um, we hope if you have other questions or thoughts about this, you'll communicate with us. Um, but that's my biology lesson for the day. 
Uh, I'm Dick Krugman, and this is NCAN.org. I want to thank each of you again for joining us today and listening in. If you or someone you know is being abused, please call 1-800-4-A-CHILD. To learn more about NCAN, visit www.endcan.org or find us on all social media platforms. Join us in being louder than silence and being a part of the change. Please leave a comment, like our podcast, or share with your friends. The more the word spreads, the more of a collective impact we can have. If you have a question or you know someone who would want to be a guest on our podcast, please contact be the change at endcan.org. Thanks again and have a great day.